When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zachary. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something that you want to listen to on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. When you get there, great review, but most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is one right now at 6 p.m. Eastern time because of the national championship game at 7.30. We wanted to do this early so that we're not competing against, you know, probably the most watched college football game of the year. Um, but usually 7 p.m. Eastern time on Mondays. And uh, we are live on A to Z Sports Nashville's YouTube channel. So go there. Search of A to Z Sports Nashville on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. If you do, you'll be notified when we go live. And then you can uh, hang out, come be a part of the show, leave a comment, and uh, literally just chill here with, with me and Zach and, and be a part of the show. It's really great. We love going back and forth with everybody, so uh, subscribe there. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National, and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. Should I do that thing? I think uh, Boogie Bentley does that, our, our uh, buddy Boogie. Who uh, we might be on again with here soon. Been talking to him. Uh, he he does uh, the uh, well. Welcome back to Talking Balls Network. <laughs> Maybe I'll just steal his intro there. Welcome back to Talking Balls. Um, this is Talking Balls with Charlie and Zach. <laughs> uh, what's up, Zach? Get get us a, a, a cease and desist letter here in the in the mail. <laughs> Keep that up. Yeah. Uh, he'll be cool with it. Yeah, just, yeah, but pretty much just get getting geared up for this college championship game tonight. It's uh, we were talking before we came on. It's kind of an interesting game. No Georgia, no Alabama. I don't really have any rooting interest in this game as far as who I want to win. It really doesn't matter to me either way. I guess kind of I would prefer Washington maybe, but it's not like you're going to be upset if if Michigan wins this game. In fact, like we've talked about before, it'd be kind of funny if, if they did, considering all that went on and that Jim Harbaugh was suspended for half the season at various points. But uh, so a little low-stress championship game. I just hope it's fun. I hope it's not a blowout. I hope it comes down to the end and and we can see some some good football tonight. Because the playoff, for once, both games were entertaining. You know, in previous years, those, some of those playoff games have been unwatchable. So, uh they were they were good games to watch. Hopefully, we get more of the same tonight. I'm I'm genuinely just rooting for the chaos. This this is the most dispassionate I've probably been about a national championship game since I t- I don't even know because normally there's another SEC team in there, and I'm just going anybody but Bama, anybody yeah. but Georgia. Please, dear God, do not let these these guys win another national championship. 
nothing like that. And I'm exactly, I don't care if Michigan wins. A lot of people are acting like they're going to be really mad. I, I really don't care one way or another if Michigan wins. It's, I am no Ohio State fan. I don't care about Michigan, yeah. really. Once, once Bama and, and Georgia were out of the, you know, Georgia didn't make the playoff and Bama didn't beat by Michigan. Once that happened, it was good for Tennessee. You know, any, any non-SEC team winning is, is good for Tennessee. And, you know, like the top recruit in the country, uh, Bryce Underwood, just committed to LSU. Number one quarterback, number one player in the 2025 class. He's from Michigan. So it's not like, and he committed to LSU, it's not like they have this stronghold on recruiting and it's going to just get even crazier by winning a championship like you did with Georgia and Alabama. So I, I don't... And Tennessee doesn't recruit a lot up there anyway, so I don't see any of that really impacting the Vols too much either way. Thank, thank God. Uh, anything like that helps. And and I think you've seen slowly that, uh, I mean, this is a conversation <laughs> that we could probably have in, in full as a segment on this show, but I think you've really seen that that NIL and, and the transfer portal have kind of siphoned off some, I would say, some of the depth of those really elite teams. I think you really see it with Alabama. I mean, getting getting pushed around against Michigan legitimately. I mean, that offensive line got rocked that entire game. Um, and, and I think you're finally seeing some actual parity there, which is really nice. I mean, praise be on high. That is like, just let the stranglehold of these, you know, uber elite teams on college football stop because it's just so much more entertaining when you get more teams involved. So, and, and specifically when you get the Tennessee volunteers involved, that's what we really need. <laughs> and speaking of the Tennessee volunteers, we're going to talk about them here. Uh, it, it might be a little bit of a shorter uh, night tonight, just because we probably want to get off here by like seven ish. But um, the transfer portal is really the, the big, Oh, the big talk this week. Everybody's freaking out. Oh, the eyeball can't recruit anymore. They're never going to get another offensive lineman. We're going to be starting Dane Davis. That right tackle next year. Oh God, <laughs> is that real? Look, and and I'm I'm making a silly voice there, <laughs> but the reality is that they they have not uh, not landed offensive linemen out specifically out of the transfer portal. We're going to talk about if that's uh, not you know how how bad that might really be and and where we stand on on some of those transfer portal guys. And then also uh, there was a article this week in twenty four seven saying that. Tennessee is on the short list of teams that could win or compete for a national championship in short order. We're going to talk about all of that and much more tonight on the show, but let's jump into the transfer portal stuff first, right after I tell you about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ Farm Bureau Health Plans. Go uh, get yourself a health plan. Thanks to them. All righty. So the the news that really came out was this uh, two things: the offensive line transfer from Kansas that Tennessee whiffed on. He ended up uh, committing to Texas A and M, and then you have Lance Hurd from LSU, who's still in the mix. Maybe a little bit more for Tennessee, maybe not. May we'll talk about that in just a second. But I think the thing 
that has become the overriding narrative with Tennessee fans this week is that why are we not landing these guys? Why are they not coming to Tennessee? Uh, and I think you've seen a number of narratives. I think there's been rumors that, you know, they're Glenn Ellerby is not the world's best recruiter that he's maybe not, you know, Mr. Charisma, which <laughs> I, what offensive line coach is, I guess you start there. Um, Sam Pittman maybe, but, uh, otherwise that, you know, there's that I, I even, I saw, uh, folks were saying that some of the big money guys were kind of pushing hypo on maybe even like getting rid of Glenn Ellerby, uh, for this particular reason, who, who the validity to that, I think cannot be substantiated. Who knows if that's really true, but you've seen it as, as rumors flying around. And then of course, I mean, you have sort of the proof in the pudding of, of Tennessee potentially whiffing on these guys. Um, but I'll start here, Zach, are just initially, are you in panic mode? Is, is the sky falling there? There's going to be nobody to block for Nico next year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's definitely an, an issue that's got to get a solution quickly, but you know, we, we're not through the whole process yet. So it's, it's hard to really judge the entire situation just yet. You know, Gerald Mincy going into the portal when he did uh, because of the second transfer rule where he was allowed to do that, basically, which I, I think that's a terrible rule for college football. I get the one-time transfer. Yeah, I, I was for that way before it, it became a thing. It, it was always so annoying to see coaches be able to leave and go as they please and then players get stuck or have to sit out or go through these waivers. That's fine, but but doing it twice, you just you've made a tough situation even worse. Now you you basically let players get free agency twice, three times if you count coming out of high school. It's almost impossible now to to manage your roster, and then you get in this situation where you've basically got to have your offensive line pretty much set going into the off season, or there's complete panic because guys that transfer in, you're paying them a lot of money presumably with these NIL deals, they they want kind of a guaranteed starting spot or at least first dibs at that starting spot. It, it, it robs you of some competition that you would normally have in those situations. It robs you of maybe, you know, maybe Bennett Warren, a, a signee for, for Tennessee that, that's highly touted. Every now and then you have a true freshman that can come in and play offensive line. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot. It's tough in this offense, especially the way Tennessee's unique up-tempo offense runs. But it can happen. You know, we, we've seen it in the past. We've certainly seen it at other programs. It, it's it's tough. So now Tennessee's got to go find a guy uh, with Mincy gone. And, you know, you got one guy that, that, that chose to kind of stay closer to home in Texas. You're hoping that you you hit on this LSU kid, heard that, you know, maybe Ole Miss is in the mix there. I think I've, I've heard that he's not visiting Ole Miss now as planned. So maybe that's good. I think Oklahoma, though, is still a factor there. And if you miss on him, then where do you go? Uh, as a kid from Mississippi State, do you do you turn there? Do you wait on this uh, Michigan and 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 Washington game to complete because they've got five days after the championship game tonight where players from there can enter the portal? Is there anyone there that you're you're looking at? You, but whatever the case, you want to get it done before spring practice like you want to get somebody yes. in for spring practice especially if you're going to count on them to be your right tackle during the season because there's always the possibility that you can add someone after spring practice there's another portal window that opens after spring practice 
and that could be very fruitful for Tennessee. It was last year. I think that's when like Omar Norman Lott and some other guys, when they ended up landing those guys, there will be things that shake out there in spring practice where guys choose to hit the portal. But in a, in a you know best case scenario, you want those guys for spring practice so you can kind of get them into this offense and and get them gelling with the the system and everything they got to learn to to be a starter in the SEC at Tennessee at right tackle. And, you know, you got left guard, too, that's kind of unsettled. It's it's tough, but Tennessee's not the only program going through this right now. It, it's this musical chair deal that pretty much every offseason, you're going to have to secure your offensive line moving forward. And, and that a lot of times that'll be retaining the players that you have, like Tennessee did with, with several spots this year with John Campbell. Cooper Mays. I mean, what what kind of shape would they be in if Cooper Mays doesn't come back? If John Campbell doesn't come back? If if Javante Spraggins, so I don't know if that's official or not if, that he's coming back, but it looks like he would will be. I mean, my, it's 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 going to be a year yearly thing pretty much at, at this point. For sure, offensive line is maybe a little different than some other positions on the field. <clears throat> um. I, at least in my opinion, it's kind of one where you you definitely primarily you want young guys that can develop and have time in your system and and really come up that way and be a cohesive group that knows each other and obviously is is talented but develops and, and gets better at college football. But in reality, that's not that's not the simple way that this plays out in college football these days, you have to have these transfers while those guys are coming up. And Tennessee has, it appears some pretty decent uh, offensive linemen coming up uh, from, from the high school ranks, but you do with your current setup as it is now, you have to have these guys from the transfer portal. You have to, would it be absolutely ideal to let these young dudes fill in these spots and do these things? Yes. But I mean, none essentially at this point, none of them have played even the guys that are going to be sophomores. None of them have really played any meaningful amount of time in college football. And so you got to bring in a guy who has, especially like right, right tackle spot. Um, and it's, it really is just incumbent upon you. And especially, and here's the biggest thing for Tennessee you got to bring up, especially with Nico in the backfield. Oh my gosh. Cause I, th- I think you're seeing, and, and you're going to see a ton of this talk during this off season. Tennessee has potentially, obviously it has to bear itself out, but potentially has a generational talent with Nico Yamaliava. And I, I would say, you know, and if you, even if you don't want to say generational talent, maybe a guy that could potentially win a Heisman for you. And if you put the right pieces around him could potentially, Make, make a run to the college football playoff and in the college football playoff. You know, you have a real window that's opening and you got to take advantage and having no offensive line is not the way to take advantage. It cannot happen. And so you got to have these guys that are going to fill in because to sort of the point that a lot of people have been making, you know, like, what are we going to start Dane Davis over there? No, we're not. We're They're not. They're going to find there's somebody out there. Maybe it is the kid from Mississippi State. Maybe they do, you know, throw down the bag for the kid from LSU. I, I don't know. Cause that one is still up in the air, as you said. Um, but you, you just, you have to, it now has to be this combo of young guys, old guys, transfer guys, 
it it needs to be some of all of it. And it honestly, to me, I, I think Ellerby has done an admirable job as the offensive line coach. You've seen the offensive line be really effective at times. And in this system, that's kind of odd compared to the way that offensive linemen operate in other systems. Um, you know, it, it honestly can be tough on an offensive lineman. You never get to sub out essentially if, if a drive goes the way that it should, um, you don't really get to sub out and, and it can wear on you. And I, I just think that there's, there's other elements in there than just, Oh, well maybe Glenn Ellerby's not charismatic again. What offensive line coach is the most charismatic dude on earth? Maybe they're out there, but I haven't seen them. And I've interviewed a few of them in my time, you know, when I was in media at Tennessee, um, you know, they're not the guy that you go to as just like, Oh yeah, he's, that's the guy that I want to hear from. No, I mean, he's there to coach the offensive line. He's not going to be the most interesting dude in the room a lot of the time. And so I, he, he might be not be the most interesting, but he might be one of the most important by far, because this is the foundation of your offense and it's the foundation of your offense and an odd offense and Glenn Ellerby. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say the coach on this staff that has been with Hypel the longest at this point. Um, and so he knows this thing inside and out. I don't think fireman firing him is probably the right move unless it's just egregious, unless he's losing you recruits where, you know, you got a kid locked down and then they go, all right, bring in Glenn. And then you, you know, the kid wants to decommit after meeting the coach. I, you know, unless it's a situation like that, I don't think it is. Then, you know, I, I don't think you, you make that change there, but so, something's got to get. You got to get this kid from LSU. You got you got to get the uh, you know the kid from Mississippi. State. You got to get somebody. Really, you need both of them. Um, realistically, you got to get somebody. That that's just the bottom line. I I wish it wasn't that way, but that's where we're at because you have this window opening with Nico. It has to happen. Yeah, I don't. Glenn Ellerby Ellerby is definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. It would, like you said, it would have to be just a complete meltdown. You can't get anybody to play offensive line, and the thing just goes all to pieces. I mean, ultimately this is a team that's won 20 games over the last two seasons. You don't go fire the offensive line coach when he's got this kind of continuity with Hypo. He's very involved in the run game. You saw how impressive the run game was this season. Jerry Mack is owed a lot of credit there, the running backs coach, but Glenn Ellerby is a huge part of that as well. And if you do, I mean, if 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 you know, you say you're in this scenario where you do have to move on from from LRB, which again, I don't foresee that happening in any way. You're going to hire somebody that has experience in this system. We've seen how Josh Heupel makes these hires, especially at the offensive line. That's such an important part of how this offense runs. It would be somebody like Alec Ablin, who's the tight ends coach now, moves over to coach offensive line. He was an offensive lineman, you know, under Heupel at Missouri. It would be a situation like that. It would be somebody that Heupel's coached with in the past in this offense. Um, he thinks Dylan Ellerby's the, the the best option for this team right now. You just got to figure out a way to. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the charisma part of it. If it's just the situation just hasn't worked out. Like like we said, the the one with the Kansas offensive lineman. It's okay. He wants to stay closer to home. Diego Pounds goes to Ole Miss. I don't know what Lane's got going on there with the portal, but he's he's selling something, and and that you know that bill might come due eventually for Kiffin because if that doesn't pan out this season for Kiffin, if he doesn't go win eleven or twelve games and get to the playoff, well then you've pretty much 
banked on everything, you know, with this portal class. And if it all falls apart, you don't really have a recruiting class that you've built there. Uh, that's going to be a, a tough situation. You could see Lane bouncing. In fact, you know, if, if, if Harbaugh wins tonight and goes to the Chargers and, and Michigan goes after Brian Kelly, I think things could get interesting there with, with LSU and Lane Kiffin because LSU is mm-hmm. a, a far better situation and job than Ole Miss, especially for long-term sustainability where you don't have to go portal hopping every single offseason. I mean, that's a different conversation to begin with. Uh, whatever the, Whatever's going on, you've got to figure out a way to, to start landing some yes. of these guys. I mean, the NIL, it seems like it's there. And, and that's strong, and Tennessee's doing that the right way. Obviously, they're retaining guys. They didn't lose a James Pierce. They didn't lose, you know, some of these wide receivers that, that they wanted to keep. They they managed to bring guys like Omari Thomas back. They managed to bring the John Campbells back and the Cooper Mazes back. So NIL is obviously doing its job there, which in my mind makes me think that it's, it's also fine on the transfer side of things. You, you've got some – coveted guys in with like Brazel, Chris Brazel, wide receiver. I don't know. It's something that 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 you've got to just kind of get over the hump with some of these guys. It, it's the same thing we've seen in recruiting in recent years where Tennessee's there at the finish line, but they're just not the ones, you know, crossing the finish line first. Yeah, I I legitimately don't get it with Ole Miss. Because honestly, the whole Ole Miss thing a little bit kills off that whole like, oh, maybe I think didn't somebody – Say right here, Jason asked, is it our tempo killing us on O-line commits? Maybe. But, I mean, look at Kiffin's offense. It's not that crazily different. I mean, he runs this tempo offense. <clears throat> it's not exactly the same. It's not as intense as Heupel's. But, I, you know, it, it's not crazily different. And he just got a guy that Tennessee, I, I want to say at least had talked to, the kid from North Carolina. Um, did, did pounds didn't visit. <clears throat> I haven't, I haven't kept up no. a ton with, yeah. So no. that, that's not entirely surprising, but it was somebody that Tennessee could have used. Let's say that. Um, but I, uh, I, I don't totally understand what's going on there, but I will also say this. It's not all hunky dory with Ole Miss. Cause they're about to lose to Mary McDonald's. Uh, Pat says it here in the comments and a ball fan for life. I was talking about it too. They're about to lose to Mary McDonald to Louisville. Likely, it's been predicted by uh, by Pete Nakos at, uh, on three, and then you also look at that Wesley Walker is already a Louisville, and Wesley Walker, you you said is he step brothers? We were talking about this before the show. Pretty sure step, that's the relation. Step brothers with uh, Tyler Barron, and if Barron hops out too to Louisville, that would be brutal for Ole Miss. Because uh, I think that that Baron get was definitely one they were hanging their hat on, and and for them, I I think that is a pretty decent get, even though I'm I'm not sure that Tennessee is is horribly downgrading there or anything mm-hmm. like that, because there are really nice defensive linemen coming up for them. Thankfully, um, I like, I want to see how the Ole Miss folks spin that because Tyler Baron is <laughs> yeah. a huge addition, future NFL player, and, and look, Tyler Baron's a good player. We talked about it before, like. Look, we got other guys too, right? Like Tennessee, yeah. that that's their philosophy. It's like we got other guys that, that can fill this. We're not going to pay him all this when he's done this so many times before. You losing to Louisville, you know that's that'll be interesting to hear hear the spin Ugh. cycle on that one. I saw some old Miss fans uh, with with the post about Tamari McDonald. 
they were just like, hey, do we even want him anyway? He's not that good. He never would have started here. Now he wants to jump ship. Blah, 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 blah. That's not what you were saying, what, two weeks ago? That's not really the line you were taking back then. And honestly, um, there that that take is probably the right take. To, it probably know, is but, true. Because, <laughs> I mean, how many times did we get frustrated you know mcdonald would do something good then something frustrating i, I guess that's the story with with most defensive backs if we're being honest but the, uh, yeah that's uh i guess everybody kind of feels that way when you land the transfer that you're getting one over on somebody well elias really says the whole truth here the foundational truth here in the comments he said i don't think anyone's going to fully mm. understand what's going on for years with an il in the portal I'm eagerly anticipating a 30 for 30 episode in 2028. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I don't think coaches even understand fully no. because they're, you know, they're trying to get information and they're, you know, like what's going on here. What's real. What's not like, nobody knows what numbers are real necessarily. Nobody knows what's happening. I mean, you hear these rumors that, that Tennessee had, you know, players on their team that didn't leave, that never entered the portal, that got serious offers. And it's like, what you, theoretically you can't you're not in the portal you can't like it, it's tampering at what point is that going to get cracked down on how much of yeah. that is really happening and we know it is like we've seen some of it up close uh you know that hasn't really come to fruition with, with certain players and things but uh it, it's it, it will be interesting because eventually a lot of that is going, going to get revealed people will talk more and more the, the crazier this gets because it's not sustainable right now. No, it's, it's not at all. And there, there's no, we've said it a bunch on this show there, there's no market transparency and you got to think like a, a, a company like Spire, the, the main NIL partner for Tennessee is, is floating in, in uncharted waters, just like every other NIL. But they, I mean, I would bet that behind closed doors, they're probably looking at Ole Miss going like, what? What the hell are they doing? How are they doing this? And like, that's that's not a knock on on Spire. I just bet that's the environment that everybody's operating in right now. I bet Nick Saban is down there looking and going, what is that guy doing? How is he doing this? How is he in on every single one of these guys? How is he in on every single one of these guys before they ever decommit or, or enter the transfer portal? And how is he getting them all? And like, that's it's a perplexing thing for everybody. And obviously, maybe that facade's about to come off if if baron and tamir mcdonald both jump out of there but like it's it is just this massive gray area this crazy just you know abyss that everybody's just jumping out into and we don't really know what all and it's going to be all these market effects and all these different things that have to happen and honestly what should really happen is that you just need to create semi-pro football that's that's what it needs to be it needs to be players actually getting paid it needs to be a transparent market you need to know what guys are actually making because that's it, it has it has to actually get ironed out it has to be like the nfl where you know what these guys contracts are worth where you can go like oh well the the last time a running back came up <clears throat> he got paid you know quarter million dollars and he produced this much and he was this good and meant this to this team and then you can look at the next guy and say okay well his worth is probably this much and and it just has to be Something like that. Because even even NFL teams play these games. You know, they they get, oh, well, if you come to New York, not only will you get your paycheck, but we're going to hook you up with these big sponsors because all these big companies that are in New York and we can give you this and that. And you're going to be living a lavish life and all of these things. Like, there are those add-ons, too. And that would happen in college football, obviously. If you did that, you would have teams still playing games like that. But there, there's, no, there's no way around that at, at a certain point. But I... 
that that, ha- that just eventually has to happen. And the real solution is to just kill off the NCAA. Please, dear God, get rid of the NCAA. Throw them to the curb where they belong. Yeah. <sighs> Can't I come mean, soon enough. The programs with money are always going. It's just like sports, right? I mean, unless you just have a kind of like you said there, even when you have a salary cap, there's still things you can do to to bring in a player to your organization. But ultimately, it's the uncertainty of being able to plan that I think is killing these coaches. It's got to be a situation where it's like, okay, you know, there's a cap on signing recruits, like what they can earn, maybe. I don't know how that would look. Uh, And then like two-year contracts, basically. And that's, you know, then when, when a player commits out of high school that you have them for two years. And maybe there's some language written in there for red shirts and going pro and, and some of those unique situations. But you know you've at least got this guy for two years. And you can kind of plan to build your team around that. Like that, it's something like that has to happen. I don't know how that looks. Something Somebody's got way more time on their hands and, and is a lot smarter with contracts and all those situations. Can figure that out. And I think eventually it will get to that. Because like I said, this is just not sustainable. But it's not you can't do this every single year you're gonna have some serious burnout with these coaches i mean the whole month of december i mean there, there's a human element to it it's a holiday season it's christmas it's new year's you you want to be with your family and in the past they have been able to to some extent even while you're preparing for a bowl game and now you're 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 practicing you're flying on a plane to to see a transfer player you're dealing with your early signing period you're still recruiting the 2025 class. I mean, Tennessee's got a five-star recruit, George McIntyre, that's about to make a huge decision probably at the end of this month some point. You're still dealing with stuff like that. Like the the 2025 cycle just basically starts immediately uh, after the early signing period, really gets into to full gear there. It's it's uh, it's not a good way of life. I They're making a lot of money to do it, but how – yeah, they're not even really getting to enjoy that at this point. And until they get fired like Jimbo Fisher, that's the guy right now that's sitting the best. He's smiling. I mean, did you see the interview with him that he did with uh, uh, Barstool Sports recently? No. He was smiling, the happiest guy. I mean, it was like the Ed Ogeron deal. They told him congrats on the buyout, and uh, you should have seen I mean, the smile on his face. Literally. Now, look, Kirby Smart's an absolute psycho, and you can just tell. You know, he's he's a guy that's going to probably coach till he's in the grave. He'll die on a sideline. He's that kind of guy. But, like, realistically speaking, you know, I've, I've seen people say, like, oh, well, Kirby Smart right now, his value is so high. Why doesn't he just jump to an NFL job? He could get more money than he's getting paid right now if, you know, at worst, exactly the same money and just way less of a headache. It would be way easier of a job. And I go, you know what he should do? Is just lose. <laughs> it's just, it's just get fired, and then he can go do nothing and get paid what he's getting paid right now. Probably in the case of Jimbo Fisher, get paid even more than he was getting paid at the time. Far more. Just lose, and then you're set for the rest of your life. I mean, what Lord knows what his buyout is at this point. Um, smart specifically. Um, and that it is, it is just, I, I kind of say that just like I said, I think he's a psycho who's going to coach till he's dead in the grave. But I, uh, it, it, that really is like the, the incentives that are, are becoming at work now for the players, for the coaches, for everything. It's just, it's an unsustainable and, landscape. And, that's, and, that's really the bottom line. And how do you win in it? You know, to go back to hypo, I do not know. 
I don't know. And Pat brings up the only real option is to move the portal to to May and June because of class schedules. That Correct. is the only other option because you obviously you can't have a portal in the middle of a semester. But then these coaches, it's so competitive, it's so cutthroat. Like you've got to go win, you've got to go perform, and that means having these dudes on campus or as many of them as possible for spring practice. So coaches still want that. And it's like, you're going to have, you're going to have to give that up if you want to ease the burden here at all. I think that's the best solution. I agree with Pat. I think that is absolutely the way it probably should be. If you really want to just kind of level this out and then put this in the summer when it's not nearly as chaotic and you can kind of figure it out, then that's the best solution. But I, you know, and maybe if everyone agrees to that and everybody's on the same playing field, coaches will be okay with it but you're gonna have guys that just leave school and and they still talk to other programs and they basically have deals in place uh they just won't be able to go through spring practice in that situation it, it honestly feels likely to me that it's going to be something like that because you just uh, well as i said it's un it's unsustainable and how what do you prescribe for this problem i do not know with all of that being said um Tennessee still has a chance with Lance Hurd. You get him. I think, I, I don't know that you're fine. You probably need another guy. You probably do need another guy. In addition to Lance Hurd, just for good measure. And maybe the kid from, from Mississippi State could be that or, or whatever. And obviously everything that I'm saying right now could be completely irrelevant. Honestly, by the end of tonight, I don't know <laughs> who really knows. Um, but that that would be great if they could knock out Hurd and maybe somebody additional. But if they they whiff on all of them, yeah, there, there is a big question there. I'm again, I'm not ready to sail anybody down the river. You have another um, round of transfers coming up, obviously after spring ball, as we're already talking about here, and you know who knows who's going to come up then, and you have opportunities then. So I'm I'm not writing anything off. I'm not one to at this point be like, hi Paul, it's over. Hi, we're not like you know they're going to be starting Dane Davis. So there's and Nico's going to get his head, his skull beat in in every game. I, you know, I'm not there. I just am not. I, I when it comes to this, you're not going to, you're not going to get me there. But um, I, I do think you got to be, I mean, you do. Let's get somebody. Hello, somebody. You got to get somebody in the door. We'll, we'll see. And we'll talk about it. Uh, I would, I would assume, as I said, <laughs> all of that talk right there is probably going to be irrelevant within the next couple of days, but. We'll see what happens. Now, kind of on that same note, and to something that I said earlier, it really is imperative to get the strongest roster that you can in these next two years because of the one and only Nico Yamaliaba that you have behind center. And if he is as good as it appears he could be in time, you may have a window here to be in the playoff, to compete for a national championship, to compete for an SEC championship, yada, yada. We, we've heard it. But 247 actually wrote about, uh, and, and I sent it to you, Zach, that Tennessee may be one of the teams that is in sort of the catbird seat to be next man up and take advantage of the 12-team playoff. We'll talk about what they said right after I tell you about our next great sponsor, Better Help. And let me... Uh, there's their banner right there. Not going to mess it up this week. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, 
like myself and Zach, you know how many years the Big Orange have shaved off your life with the emotional roller coaster of college sports, or maybe the roller coaster of life is messing with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals. Regardless, if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human being going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a different way. And that is where our sponsor, BetterHelp, comes into play. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be hard, especially when you're limited to just the options in your area. BetterHelp's platform makes finding a therapist easier because it is online and remote, and BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. Plus, with our link, betterhelp.com slash ATOZ sports, you get 10% off your first month. See a therapist because maintaining your mental health is just as important as maintaining your physical health. So this football season, check out betterhelp.com slash ATOZ sports and save 10% on your first month. That is better help. Shout out to them. Now, 247 sports. I got to I gotta pull up exactly what it was uh, that I sent you. Zach. Oh, I opened up the wrong conversation. In my texts, here it is right here. College football's next Washington. 2024 candidates that are ripe with national championship potential. From Brad Crawford uh, at 247 Sports. And lo and behold, Tennessee is on the list for him. He also lists, let's just go through, Missouri, Arizona, which I, I, I really like that Arizona team. They're cool. He lists Ole Miss, go figure. Um, Oregon. And then the Tennessee Volunteers. So here's here's the deal with this conversation for me because it it ties into what we were just talking about. You got to get these dudes. You got to take advantage of this window that you have. You have national media members that believe that Tennessee is close with how hypo coaches and how he can kind of get a team to to play above its its talent level in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I think the, the potential is there. I agree with Brad Crawford here. Uh, and it, I don't want to put undue pressure on anybody. Heupel, Nico, anything like that. But let's be realistic here. I think this is a real conversation that needs to be had because I think this is correct. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the expectation at this point. Uh, fair or not, when you get a five-star quarterback that's number one quarterback in the country in his recruiting class, and he's going into redshirt freshman, sophomore year. That's going to be the expectation, you know, for, for any program. If you have that guy, I think for I think it's the same for, for Oklahoma, you know, moving into next season. They're in the same situation with Jackson Arnold. I think it, if, if Arch Manning ends up starting at Texas next year, depending on what happens with Quinn Ewers, uh, I know they were just in the playoff, but that's still going to be the expectation for him you know, going into the same year for him, his redshirt freshman season. So I think it's I don't I don't think at this point it's it's un unneeded or unfair pressure to put on somebody like Nico. I know it's a lot to put on his shoulders because he would be the first, you know, Tennessee quarterback to ever lead the Vols to the playoff. That's a lot when you know to 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 put on a kid when it hasn't happened and when Tennessee's been down for so long. But I think it's it's more than fair when you're paying that type of money. That's what you're paying for. And based on the hype that he's going to get this offseason after what we saw in the bowl game against a really good Iowa defense, he played really well. Could have been even better in that final stat line if, if, if not for a couple of drops and Ramel Keaton not, not you know stopping on that route. Had a banged-up offensive line. Obviously, that goes into the conversation from earlier. 
going to have more weapons at wide receiver. The defense was good enough. I know there's been like we've we've talked about that ad, ad nauseum. It feels like with with the defense, but it's the best defense we've seen at Tennessee since 2015 when, when John Jancic was here. They averaged you know gave up 20 points a game. That was that's good enough. You know, it was top 25 in the country. Washington's defense this season is like what number number 54 number. It's somewhere in that range. They're the number 10 scoring offense. Like that's it's doable like it, it's good enough even in the sec if you can get the offense back to where it was you know when hendon hooker was here in 2022 and the defense played just, really they don't have to take a huge step forward they, they got to take situational you know they got to do better on third downs and some of these third and 12s you can't give up first downs in those situations you can't play these soft zone coverages where you're still scared to death to get beat over the top, but you're willing to just let a team go march down the field. Like you're going to have to be aggressive and play some man coverage in some of those situations. And sometimes you'll get beat. I mean, good, there's good players on the other side of the ball too. That's going to happen. But outside of that, I think it's all there roster wise for Tennessee to be in that conversation. They should make the playoff. If you get in the playoff, I mean, it's going to be tough to knock off a Georgia because they have more talent than you still. Like, we've, we've done the roster breakdowns. We've seen how many more five stars they have than you. But even then, you, you know, they can be beat on that given night. You're going to put you, you just, you just want to put yourself in a position to be there to have a chance. And you get in that 12 team playoff like Tennessee should, you know, they're, they're going to have that chance. I agree. I, I just am. I, again, I almost feel guilty for having <laughs> expectations like that, but I really do. You know, I agree with Weiss in in the comments here. I said I'll be. He said I'll be disappointed if we aren't in next season with this schedule. You look at the schedule that Tennessee has, and it is not unrealistic to be like you. You finish the schedule as one of the top twelve teams in America. It's kind of like in college basketball. Where you go, you know, if you miss being one of the top 64 teams, we need to have a talk. Because that's, it's it's tough to make the tournament. It's not the the easiest thing in the world. But it's not, you know, it's kind of the bare minimum in college basketball. Now, this is different. It's 12 teams. It's not going to be the bare minimum. But it's now considerably easier than it was to get into the playoff and your chances of making it to a real championship level here go up exponentially, frankly. And I think NIL is helping you with that again to, to what I was saying earlier, where it's kind of creating more parity and taking depth away from these elite teams. Um, I think you're going to continue to get a more level playing field overall. And then also now you have the 12 team playoff and you just have to look at the situation that Tennessee is in and go, this is a team that should play in the playoff. And you know, maybe we see them next year and the whole season pans out and we just go, you know, the talent's not there and they just stink. But right now, it it does not look that way. And I think this is a real expectation that, that should probably be had. I mean, on, honestly, I think the one that would be way tougher is the SEC championship game, except now. So if you had the season that you had last year, the 11-2 and two season, you would have made the SEC championship game there. LSU would not have made it in. Tennessee was the number two team in the SEC that year. They would have played Georgia in the SEC championship game and had uh, a shot that if you beat Georgia, you would have made the, the playoff. And so that that also changes. And so just in general, 
your chances of making championship games go up exponentially and, and just your, your chance of making playoff games, you know, that's part of a championship series, not necessarily a championship game, but all of those chances go up. And so I, I just think I cannot let anybody off the hook here with the current setup and just say like, Oh no, it's, it's okay. If we, if you don't get those guys, we, we got dudes in the, in the port. No, no, no. You got, I, and this was the comparison that I made. I think I might've made this comparison with Crompton or maybe with you, Zach, but it's kind of like the Titans with Derrick Henry. You saw that window open up and you went, now is the time mortgage the house boys. We need to win a super bowl. Now is the time. And, and they didn't do that. And lo and behold, there's Mike Vrabel is probably about to get traded to the Patriots or something. I don't know what's about to happen there, but they blew it. They blew it sky high. And you look at this situation and we, we don't know for certain. I, I think this will be even more imperative next year, next off season, after we see really how good Nico is after a full season, but you can see it now and you go good wide receivers, good running backs, really solid defensive line. Uh, and all of these things combine together and you go, now's the time mortgage the house. It's time to do this. That's yeah, your go four. I mean, in. you're going into year four and that's not a criticism of Josh Heupel by any means, but it's like, okay, year two, you, you, you took us to the Heights just about year three. We understand the situation fans that, I mean, diehard fans, they know it might've been frustrating, but we understand what happened this past season and, and what the deal was. Year four, year five, this is where you get into that Butch territory. And I'm not comparing Heupel to Butch by any means, but this is where it went south for Butch, right? Because yeah. that was when he could not take that big step forward. And when he couldn't, he was out the door. Things fell apart very quickly after that 2016 season when it all fell apart. This is, uh, you know, this is a lot of talent that Heupel's going to have, just like that 2016 team. You can't have nine and four in, in year four with this team. You just can't. And not that I think that's going to be what happens, but as much as I love Josh Heupel and think he's the right guy for the job, even after this nine and four season, I still think he is way beyond anything I ever thought he could be at Tennessee. I think he's a perfect fit. I love the way he handles things, his personality. I think he's perfect for, for Tennessee. You got to go win 11, 12, 13 games. Like, you just have to. Florida's at home. Alabama's at home. NC State's, you're out of conference. You're big out of conference. Arkansas, possibly the worst. Well, I, you know, Mandy's still playing. But one of the worst teams in the SEC this coming season is your is your cross-divisional. Well, I guess it's not even cross-divisional now. But essentially, your cross-divisional uh, opponent next year. You don't have to play Missouri. You know, that there's all of these things with this schedule that are incredibly favorable for Tennessee coming up. And I don't want to say that there's no excuse at all. If Nico goes down and gets hurt, that's an excuse. That, yeah. That would be valid. <laughs> Cooper Mays goes out for the season. Cooper Mays. Then yes. the conversation goes to why can't, why can Tennessee not develop a, another center? Because like after this season, like there is no more Cooper Mays. You got to figure that deal out. Uh, yeah. You couldn't figure it out when he was injured. The early part of the season, you got to go develop another center somehow. You have to. I, I mean, Scott, Scott asked here in the comments said, "Do you think that any true freshman offensive lineman can play right away in the coming year?" I haven't year? seen it. I, I, I would say your guess is as good as mine. I hope so. I mean, we, we kind of, we kind of mentioned earlier. 
you see it at some other programs. You would think a Bennett Warren would be able to. Uh, there's there's the physical aspect of it, and then there's the learning this offense aspect of it. So it, it just depends really how quickly a kid can pick up on it. You know, if he's a really bright kid and he seems to be, maybe he can, but they're not going to go into the season counting on a true freshman to start, uh, especially one of the tackle positions. Uh, maybe – Maybe something happens to the left guard. That that's another one that's kind of up in the air. Who knows what happens there? Uh, it just we haven't seen it yet in this offense. Yeah, I, I hope Carrich can be the guy there. But again, uh, you haven't. Seen and it, it was it was tough to get a read on him too. He was so yeah. he was hurt most of the season. I, I think he ended up being able to redshirt because of of how limited he was this past season. So you really really don't know what you have there. Maybe he ends up being a bright. No. It's all something in the portal when they grabbed him last year. Yeah, but even like I think Ben, honestly, he kind of I don't know if he's making a counterpoint or a point for us, but I think this makes a point for us. He said, I don't buy that you have to have the best roster to make the playoffs. Like I said, Georgia and Alabama aren't playing tonight, and based off raw talent, they they should be. I agree. Yeah. Washington is in no way the most talented team in college football, and yet here they are about to play for a national title game. And and I really think they have a setup to what that's similar to what Tennessee is about to have star stud quarterback, really good wide receiver with uh, Roma Dunzi or however you say his last name. Um, and you know, that, that great combo, their defense is kind of take it or leave it. And, and I just, that, that, I mean, to me, that's the formula for Tennessee. They like, they went and did it. <laughs> and they luckily for them, they played in an easier league than Tennessee, but they still, they beat Oregon twice, obviously, they, they beat Texas, and they've done it all season long. And so I, I 100% agree you don't have to have uh, the best roster, without a doubt. And so this this is it. you got to take advantage. So so please, I, I, I don't like putting it that way, but like, do mortgage the house, drop the dollars, do what you got to do to get the dudes in here because now, now is the time. Even if you're coming off a nine and four season, and and you know, like you see, Kip, Kiffin's mortgage in the house, you can tell, um, and he's coming off eleven and two. You know, you're coming off nine and four, but I think you're going to have a, a roster that's very similar to Kiffin's uh, talent wise, and so, and you probably, you know, you'll have a better quarterback, more, most likely. So, just just my opinion. We'll see what they do. But we got to finish with a little bit of basketball and then let's go watch this national championship game. Zach should be fun. Well, I, I will say that anything else with football before we move? No, I mean, that's about, I mean, that's, that's the, the focal point right now. Get this offensive line figured out. If you can get heard from LSU, if you solidify that left guard spot, I think the tone surrounding this team completely changes. And, and it, I think it's been a little too negative as it is like, yes, it's something that has to get addressed, but that's just one aspect of this team. The rest of it's, I mean, think about how excited we were just a week ago after, I mean, a week ago tonight after watching them, you know, beat Iowa 35 to nothing and watching what Nico could do with a banged up offensive line against one of the best defenses in the nation. Not going to play that many defenses that are that good. The, the good thing about this offense is the offensive line doesn't have to be, all world. You need good offensive linemen, obviously. Having Darnell Wright was huge. I mean, like you probably don't beat Alabama without Darnell Wright shutting down Will Anderson. So yeah, it is important, but you can get by with less talent there than than maybe some tr- more traditional offenses. 
Agreed. We'll see what happens. Get get hurt, please. That's that's all I ask. Um, I don't know if this is true. Vol fan for life said T Mac is committed to Louisville. I was looking to see if there had been anything official there. Obviously, everybody's kind of tweeting about the national championship game, but yeah, and that's the pounds officially committed to to Ole Miss. I don't know if maybe I mentioned that earlier or not, but that that I one... think somebody said it in the comments. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, hope, hopefully Tyler Barron <laughs> leaves for Louisville too. That would be funny and really good for Louisville because they're a pretty decent team this year. Yeah. All right, guys, let's talk a little basketball to finish this off before we go watch the title game. We'll talk about it right after I tell you about Zen Sports. We've been talking about Zen Sports all season long. It is the sports betting app that's exclusively in Tennessee. And when you sign up for your Zen Sports account, you'll receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum if the bet loses. But there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. The VIP rewards program is uh, will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks, but it's by invite only. So if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, check out the program at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top tier customer support and faster withdrawals like Zen Sports. What are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports betting just got better. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. And uh, speaking of betting, I'm going to guess that a lot of people did not see uh, the absolute beatdown that Tennessee put on Ole Miss. Speaking of Tennessee on Ole Miss, <laughs> it, the, the fortunes are a little more in Tennessee's favor on the basketball court. Um, I don't know what, ten- what the line was before that, but Tennessee just laid the absolute wood to uh, Chris Beard and the Ole Miss Rebels. 90 to 64 and it was over before it even started frankly Tennessee was up by what 10 at the half nine or 10 at the half um shoot you know shooting lights out and and this was all with Dalton Connect only scoring eight points and this was another I I mentioned this in the uh, the win over NC State it was ugly this one wasn't ugly I mean you just you cruise to a huge win but this was a win where you find out more of who you are because Dalton Connect didn't score a crazy amount of points, and you really spread it out. It's a guy Ziegler, huge game. Uh, I think you saw Jemai Meshack really show his complete value in this game. We knew that he's an absolute defensive dog, but he's scoring points in this game too. It's exciting. Conference play has started. Uh, what did you think of that Ole Miss game, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the kind of game that that – it's kind of like Chris Beard said after the game, like that, that looks like a final four team. Yep. Uh, and, and a lot has to go right. You got to be able to do that, you know, every night, basically in March when it gets there. But the fact that, you know, a dude goes out there and kind of carries the load and Dalton connect, isn't the guy that you have to rely on. Cause there's going to be nights coming up where Dalton connect has to have another one of those 35 point games to win. Like he's going to have to, be the guy that can get a basket late in the game when nobody else can, your go-to guy. Like, he he still has to be that guy. But he doesn't have to be that guy every single night. And we saw that against a really good Ole Miss team. Well, we don't know how good this Ole Miss team is. <laughs> yeah, they might not be that good. <laughs> a team we thought – but they are they have a good coach. Like, we do know that yes. for everything that happened at Texas, that Chris Beard is a good coach. 
So, uh, you know, who, who knows how they rebound? We'll see. But they were probably inflated a bit because of their, their softer schedule. But still, a quality opponent that we didn't really know how this game was going to go. This wasn't a game that we went in saying, like, we didn't even know if Tennessee, you know, like, if things break a certain way, Tennessee could lose this game type of type of matchup. And they go out and they, they blow them out and they get up at halftime and then they outscore them by, like, 17, I think, in the second half. I mean, that's – those are the type of performances that give you confidence that, okay, they got through that stretch in November where you lose three games in a row to three really good teams – Clearly, you learned something from that. You became a better team because of that. I mean, you, you got to keep it going here. But, I mean, you couldn't feel any better about Tennessee basketball, I think, right now than, than after that game. Uh, it's just – you couldn't. If two things happen in, in any given game, one, Jonas Adu or Tobey Awaka, that's one or the other, preferably both, play well. That's one element. If your big guys play well. And then two, you make three-pointers. That's – Tennessee not only will win almost every game they play if those two things happen in a game, uh, but they they might like wipe the floor with most of the teams that they play if, if that ends up happening. They made 11 threes in this game. Jonas Adu, 24 points, 10, 10 for 19 with 10 rebounds. Beautiful double-double Huge. from him. Yeah, it, it was absolutely massive. I said that at the beginning of the season. I think I tweeted it where I said that the real difference maker here would be Adu turning the corner. It truly would be. Because especially since he has a little bit of shooting range and and you get a guy with that kind of length that can maybe make a, a three point mid range shot, something like that, where he's he's a threat all over the floor. He's never going to be the strongest guy. He's a little bit of a string bean, but he at, at the end of the day, he could be a powerful weapon for you. Case in point right here. And, it, and if he turns the corner, that well, that's, that's it, because it, it seems like with with your guards on any given night between connect. Ziegler, Vescovi, Josiah Jordan, James, Ganey. Between all of those guys, you're going to get offensive production. That that seems like almost a given at this point. Like somebody in that group is going to find a way to drop drop in twenty ish. But with Awaka added in, that's that's the next level. That's where you go and you play like a Purdue, and and you can you can really compete against a team that's really maybe not the best matchup for you. That's it would be massive. I think that performance from Adu really shows the value of Rick Barnes as a coach. Uh, he challenged Adu, and it's something that a lot of coaches did. Barnes is a tough coach. Like we've seen, like the Grant Williams stories talking about how some of the workouts with Rick Barnes and how it was just he's constantly on him, constantly on him, just to the point where he wanted guys to quit. Like that's what he was trying to do. He's a tough coach to play for. But he can get the absolute best out of players if they, you know, if they're willing to 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 do what Barnes asked of them and, and to to kind of reach those heights. And he challenged they do, and you saw the result. You gotta keep it keep it going moving forward. But you know, for all the talk about Barnes, that is why he's able to consistently put good teams on the court for as long as he. I mean, over thirty years now at this point, or about thirty years. The consistency is incredible, and and this is this is true. I actually had this conversation with uh, some friends of mine this past week. If he were to reach an elite eight or a final four, he's the greatest coach in Tennessee basketball history. He doesn't have to win a national championship to be that. I mean, the the standards overall are on the lower side with with Tennessee, just given the history of that program. Uh, he would be the the greatest coach to ever coach Tennessee. I mean, he's he really has an argument now. All already, Bruce made an elite eight. You got, I mean. 
I would like to get at least there <laughs> in Barnes time, please. I think this, this team is probably all things considered his most capable. I, I think the, the grant team had, had a really good set of dudes between him, Admiral bone, um, to Kyle Alexander. I mean, it, it was really good, but this one, just the, the set of dudes that can go off on any given night and be, be the star for you. It's, it's more guys than they had on that grant team. Now grant is better than India, any individual dude that you have on this squad. But I think the whole here is probably better o- overall. And so there, there's really no excuse uh, as far as that goes. Your next game is against Mississippi State. It's one of those, you know, it should be a 10-point win. You get you go it is two, you know, you go to Starkville to the hump, Humphrey Coliseum. Um, and uh I it's it's never easy to win there, but it's a place where Tennessee has had success under Rick Barnes. And so I keep winning, keep rolling along, because this team, seriously, man, it really has the potential to be special. It's you know, if you got if you got Adu and Connect all rolling with the way that the triple J has been playing and Bescovy and Ziegler really fine in his groove. Like it's all just, it, it could be chugging by the end of this season. I think obviously an sec championship should, should be a goal yet again, as it is, as it has been basically every season with Barnes. And then, yeah, it's gotta be a final four that, that has to be where you're looking, barring, barring any injuries, everybody, you know, knock on all the wood, but um, it's all there for this basketball team. That's it. Let's go watch this national championship game. Zach, anything else for the people at home before we bounce? No, let's just see if uh, the former Valtramit can uh, Michael Pennix can get it done against uh, Michigan. Oh, ah, yeah, there's been a lot of tweets about that. About how he, Jeremy, how he Jeremy Pruitt's defense, it was not, it was really, really wasn't Jeremy Pruitt's fault. That's Tyson Helton's fault. Pruitt was going to honor the commitment. Helton, and if you hire an OC, you're a defensive coach, you got to let him have his guy. And they're, yep. there's, you know, so you can blame Tyson Helton really for that one. Not like he would have been around at Tennessee anyway. I mean, we're all kidding ourselves, right? Like JT Shrout left, Brian Maurer, Harrison Bailey was a bust. Uh, we lived the Jarrett Garantano, Taylor, Keller Chris. I mean, how many quarterbacks <laughs> did Pru have in three years? It's wild. Revolving like, door. He, he would, they would have not got the best out of Michael Penix. Yeah, no doubt. He, he wouldn't have won a national championship at Tennessee. And I'll say, yay, go Huskies. Um, but really, you know, go Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to, I want to see success for him. It's a really cool story overall. Just oh yeah, in, for sure. In a general sense, really cool. And yeah, it'd be fun to see them win over a big program like Michigan. So Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thanks so much to everybody for watching. Uh, now you can go watch the other much more inferior college football national championship pregame shows. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thanks for watching again, for commenting, everybody. You know, we love you all. We couldn't do this show without you. We appreciate it. And we will talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.